1: Welcome to the Total Soccer Show and our annual Thanksgiving special as we all prepare to meet up with loved ones, purchase cheap electronics and eat casseroles that have marshmallows in them for no particular reason. We at TSS have gathered to discuss what we're thankful for in the world of soccer. My name's Ryan Bailey. Joining me today is a man who can carve up a turkey like a Premier League team can definitely carve through a Man United defence. Too soon, Taylor Rockwell.
2: I mean, hurtful but also accurate. So I'll take
1: it. I I can carve a bird. Uh that's one of my few skills. Really? I I, I knew you as the the modern the modern renaissance man. That's not a phrase, but as the sort of person I I expected who would have Have you got one of those like electric um carving dealies?
2: No, because I'm not a savage, Ryan. <laughs> I, I sharpen my knives myself, and then you slice along the back foot backbone. You do a few little quick cuts. You pop that breast out. You're good to go, my friend. You're good to go. This is all from my, like, my brief. I watched two seasons of Top Chef and decided I was going to be a chef, and then I worked in a kitchen for six months and decided I did not want to be a chef anymore.
1: Oh, my gosh. Another chapter in the Taylor Rockwell, The World's Most Interesting Man book gets written. He was a chef for six months as well, listener. Goodness me. I mean,
2: a a chef is generous. I think I showed up preparing to wear a white coat and realized that uh, line cook would have maybe been the more appropriate title.
1: All right. Well, it sounds like a delicious time will be had with the Rockwells this turkey day. Also, here is a man taking some time off this week, but who never takes time off from being awesome, Joe Larry.
3: Oh, Ryan. See, see those, those sublime, just beautiful compliments are the reasons why I keep coming back, Ryan. I skipped weekend review yesterday to have a little bit of time off, but I couldn't resist being back to talk turkey with you guys.
1: It's, it's a pleasure to have you, Joseph. And can you tell me about what you get up to on Thanksgiving? A lot of people, for example, you know, sit down, maybe watch some, uh, some NFL football, maybe watch a movie. What do you do, Joe?
3: Yeah. So, well, in the past, a lot of times I've gotten together in the morning and played a game of soccer. Actually, I know a lot of people do American football on Thanksgiving, but gotten together to play some soccer in the morning. I don't know if that will be happening this year. Uh, We didn't do it last year either for obvious reasons. But uh, get together, eat really good food with family. Um, Not usually a lot of American football on the TV, but this year we've got an MLS game on on Thanksgiving, baby. The Colorado Rapids and the Portland Timbers. That's one, I don't know, one small thing I'm thankful for, I guess. It's not on my main list, but that's going to be a fun one. I'll hopefully be watching that. And then, yes, again, just eating a lot of good food and a lot of good pie.
1: You've definitely swerved away from our pre-recording conversation about the fact that you don't like movies, Joe. Congratulations um, on on that one. I try. (laughs) Also here, completing our roundup, a man uh, who is complimenting our weirdly disparate Thanksgiving table of four white men, Adam Whittaker Snavely. Snaves, how are you, sir?
4: Hello, I'm doing great, and happy Thanksgiving in the past or future tense to all of the listeners in the United States, Canada, Grenada, St. Lucia, and Liberia, which are the five countries that celebrate Thanksgiving.
1: What? Liberia too, huh? And St. Lucia. Who knew, Snaves? You bring in knowledge from the outset. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, How are you doing, Snaves, and how is your Thanksgiving spent typically?
4: Uh, I'm doing great. I I feel, feel pretty nice that the trees are very, very beautiful outside. It feels like kind of a, a classic fall in Virginia currently. Um, usually, uh, Thanksgiving, I will be spending time with family, which is still the case this year. Um, usually me and my wife switch off thanksgiving and christmas with our respective uh, parents and families so this year i will actually be in uh richmond celebrating with Mackenzie's family uh and that will be some some probably some traditional very southern food since her family is from virginia and alabama uh if i am in new york with my family usually it will be american fare mixed with some brazilian fare and a lot of buffalo bills
1: Oh, wow. That's quite a combo. Intriguing. We should dig more into that later. Uh, Graham Rutherford, by the way, not here because um, expressing thanks shows too much emotional vulnerability for a Scottish person. (laughs) So um, it's just uh, us three today. Um, uh, So we found out where Snaves is going to be for Turkey Day. Joe, you're in California. Is that right?
3: I am currently in California, but I'll be driving back later today to be back in Phoenix. and, And that's where a lot of my family is.
1: And Taylor, how about you, sir? What are you doing for it?
3: Uh, I am I am going to
2: my, my in-laws about an hour outside of Richmond, and I am Googling why St. Lucia celebrates Thanksgiving. <laughs> my assumption is for tragic and sad reasons, uh, but I have yet to figure out why. But I'm going to go with tragic and sad historical reasons as the most likely culprit.
1: There are worse places to spend Thanksgiving, I would contest to you, sir. Um, A very nice place. It is St. Lucia. Um, Thanks for asking about what I'm doing for Thanksgiving. (laughs) Um, It's it's, it's not actually um, a holiday here in Italy. Uh, It's going to be a weird one this year because my wife is at work. My kids are at school on the Thursday. But when they get home from their respective places of employment and education, uh, we're going to do a Thanksgiving thing. But... um, you can't really get hold of turkey in this country. Nope. So the best yeah. I could do at the supermarket was a small chicken, mm. which is what we will be cooking <laughs> and I'm uh, uh, desperately managing to bring together the ingredients as we find them. I found cinnamon yesterday. I was very pleased Good work. with that. But uh, no no marshmallows. That, I found that offensive. Um, Snave, you don't put marshmallows in any of your ingredients, non-dessert ingredients in Thanksgiving, do you?
4: Uh No, no, sir. Uh, in fact, I don't put marshmallows even in my dessert ingredients unless it's like a s'more on where the marshmallow is like just a featured part and not a, a topping. I, I don't like I don't like marshmallows in the in the sweet potatoes or anything. No, I can't do that.
1: Yeah, that's uh that's not right.
4: You don't stuff your chicken with
2: with with uh, marshmallows. I thought that's how you were supposed to do the traditional British Thanksgiving. I'm surprised that you celebrate Thanksgiving. Still, Ryan, I like was that a weird thing for you coming over from England to the United States or did you sort of like embrace it immediately?
1: Oh, I love Thanksgiving, four-day holiday. We often go to the beach for it. it's um, Just July 4th was the one I didn't do. No, that was just a black armband and um, keep your head down. For, uh, <laughs> hey, man, we're trying to
2: tax our stamps and our tea and it wouldn't have been a problem. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. On that note, why don't we oh. move on and talk about what we are thankful for in the world of the beautiful game, Taylor Rockwell. I put it to you that you shall go first and share your thanks first. sir, what have you got?
2: Uh, I will say that I'm very thankful for both the win over Mexico, Dos Acero, and a fun group of U.S. men's national team players. I think this pool is just a lot of fun, and we exist right now in our present time of recording in a fun time of possibility when you can speculate about making the World Cup and what 2022 World Cup will look like, maybe hosting in 2026 and some of these youngsters sort of rounding into the primes of their career. But I think to have so many Americans... Doing so many things, we talk about it at least once a week, at least normally once a week. Uh, And it's just a really fun time to be a fan of the U.S. Men's National Team, so I'm very thankful for that team. Taylor, to be completely honest, I
3: don't appreciate you copying my notes. Um, <laughs> that's not that's not something I'm thankful for this year, but that is a great pick. Somebody had to get to the U.S. men's national team first. There have been ups and downs, but the fact that this team is second in the World Cup qualifying table in CONCACAF right now, second in the OCHO, is a good spot to be. Yes, the gap between those top four teams is very, very small. The margins are thin right now. But the fact that the U.S. is in that conversation and is sitting relatively emphasis on relatively pretty right now I think is, is certainly something to be thankful for.
4: It's tied for first. They're tied for first. We could just say it. They're they're tied for first place. That's good. <laughs> That's a good thing.
1: <laughs> uh, nice. are they also on your thank list thankful list uh, for this episode?
4: Um I I, I did not put the, the United States men's national team as a whole on my list, but I did put Tim Moya baby. Let's go. I am thankful that the president of Liberia's son plays for the United States men's national team because he is real good at kicking the soccer ball, and <laughs> I like watching him play a whole lot.
2: Wow. Are you are you paid by the number of times you mentioned Liberia yeah. in the episode? Because that is two, which is more than we usually get, though most of them do tend to uh, revolve around Tim Weah. I, too, am thankful that uh, he, he has chosen to represent the United States. He was eligible for a couple different ones, right? And he chose the U.S.?
4: Jamaica as well, I believe. Okay.
2: And I would assume Liberia. I'm oh sure. yeah, Liberia for yeah. sure, for yeah. sure. There's yeah. three snaves. at <laughs>
4: three, everybody. I, I, uh, no. It, what's say funny it is that I, say it what's, again. Adam. What's funny is that I, I came up with the bit of oh, these are some random countries that also celebrate Thanksgiving before realizing that I had Tim Wei on my list and thinking to myself, oh, Tim Timway is like double Thanksgiving because <laughs> two of his countries celebrate Thanksgiving. <laughs> wow, go hey, nuts. Bye. So yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't even the first thing on my list, but I will say that, uh, yeah, Tim way. I was absolutely on my list. Uh, I have been a really, really big fan of his for a really long time and I'm just happy to see him healthy, getting playing time for both club and country and coming good on so much of his obvious promise that he has shown throughout the years. He's been around for a long time, even though he's still super young. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm thankful that, uh, in the in the uncertain world of youth soccer and Youth World Cups and, and the kind of atmosphere that has revolved around the United States Men's national team ever since 2017, where it seems like <clears throat> we have given out caps to basically anyone with a pulse that is under the age of 23 um, a lot of the time. It's cool to see some of those people uh, really come good and become very important parts for the team that I cheer for. And I really, really appreciate Tim Weyer.
1: Wonderful stuff. So Tim is on your list and you're on his for mentioning Liberia so many times, I presume, on this episode so far. Wonderful stuff. Taylor, I'll ask about your pick of the USMNT. Um, When was the point, or can you signal a point where the tide turned to um, a positive feeling towards USMNT? Not that there was a negative one, but when have you started to gain more belief in this team and more positivity?
2: I mean, I think frequent listeners to this show will probably be able to, to spot that moment. It was the result against Mexico, which is a fairly recent result. And I think if you look at the way Joe and I talked about the Jamaica results following that one, uh, a, a fairly disappointing one-to-one draw, I think, for me at least, the belief in what Berhalter is doing and what that team is doing was still there. And so it made that conversation more about... What are they trying to do? What are they trying to build towards versus I think in the past it would have been, why did this happen? Why can't they be more consistent? I think those can still be fair questions. But I think the way the U.S. took that game to Mexico, I genuinely think it is one of the best games I've ever seen the United States play. And if we're talking about a game in which the U.S. was sort of dominant and... Strong, not for the entire game, but but wasn't sort of sitting off and hitting on the break or getting a fortunate goal and then defending and getting another one. There have been bigger results and more memorable br- results, but in terms of comprehensive performance, I think that was one of, if not the best, against a, a strong team. Not Mexico's strongest team ever, certainly, not maybe even their their current strongest team, but still to have that result, I think told me a lot about Berhalter and what the players believe in and how he's gotten them to buy in and how it seems like things are rounding into form. So I think it's a re- fairly recent moment, but for me, it does loom pretty large and will continue to do
3: so for a while.
1: Excellent stuff. Joseph Lowry, I come to you, sir, to ask,
3: what are you thankful for? Okay, so uh, first of all, I have to do a quick bit of editorializing. Uh, the U.S. Men's National Team are second in the Ocho. Uh, I was too scared to actually say that back when, when Snave's cut in, but they're still in a good spot right behind Canada, one point behind Canada. Setting that aside, just so we uh, don't have to deal with those tweets coming in from folks. Uh, basically, I'm, tied for first. Basically, basically tied for first. is nice, one Canada's point Canada's point nice and, enough to give us that point, right? One I mean, point
4: and, and, and clear in a way uh, from the United States in first place is basically tied for first. That Yeah, obviously.
3: I again, can math. Again, I, I think the expected Canada niceness here has to factor in somewhere. Um, Ryan, something I'm thankful for this year in the soccer world is that society can still come together behind a really important cause. They can join together and see just something that's, that's wrong and complain about it as a group. And that's that society's agreed that Puma Puma's third kits are genuinely terrible. They're so bad. They're really, really, really bad. And everyone knows it. You know, that that's just a beautiful thing. Puma went off script, really. And Released 10, uh, 10 shirts for various European clubs, Manchester City, uh, Gladbach, Milan, Valencia, Marseille, uh, a, a number of other teams as well, all across Europe and Russia and Ukraine and France and, and all of that good stuff. But uh, the kits are, are, are terrible. Uh, the colors are bad. The font is weird. And there's way too much text. And they've done things that they absolutely didn't need to. And every single person – we've talked about these jerseys on the show – Every single one of us, snaves, everybody out there can recognize how bad they are. And that just really gives me this this feeling of being unified as a society. And, and that's something I'm thankful for.
1: OK, that's interesting. I'm going to have to cancel the order I made for your Christmas present, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> okay. So are these the worst kits you've ever seen? Are they that offensive, Joe? I'm, I'm with you, by the way. They are terrible. But um, I mean, are they are they that much of an affront?
3: Oh, I I mean, everybody's with me, Ryan. Thanks for saying that. You didn't have to, though. Um, I don't know that they're the worst. I'm I'm struggling to figure out any kits that would be worse. So I guess off the top of my head, they are the worst ones I've seen. But I'm confident that there have probably been some worse ones out there at some point in history. But getting this batch all at the same time for some of the biggest clubs in the world from Puma is, is just a low blow from them, guys.
1: Yeah. Taylor, how do you feel about them? We've heard how you feel about them, but now we've seen them worn a few times in various competitions. I mean, the the Dortmund one is just a home kit that's worse, basically. For example, yes, <laughs> I don't even.
2: I struggle to think of what they were even going for, aside from maybe people don't like like the 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 feeling of the crest or something like that, and so they wanted something more streamlined. It genuinely looks like something that was made to go. On sale at Ross Dress yes, for Less for like five dollars. Yes, that's exactly what it is. It looks like a knockoff uh, jersey. Even the ones that we've joked about on the show before, the the MLS branded jerseys that you can buy at target that are black and white and just say mls (laughs) on them those have more appeal to me because at least they're sort of monochromatic and just have the one logo they don't have a ton of bold writing from 2005 as i said before the light blue ones remind me of something that pd pablo would have would have worn or had people wear in the background of one of his videos i'm aging myself i don't care that reference works
1: it does indeed. Well, uh, we're not thankful to Puma, although we have um, given them plenty of publicity by mentioning their kits uh, for several minutes on this podcast, which I suppose is the intention um, overall of putting those things out. I will come to my first thanks, uh, giving of thanks, gentlemen. I'm going to thank, uh, be thankful for, US TV coverage of soccer. I'm thankful that NBC got their deal renewed. Are or you bigger. thankful for drag racing? who 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 just had drag racing in the background
4: uh that would be me somebody (laughs) with a somebody with a stock dodge charger really (laughs) wanted the uh the 25 mile per hour speed limit on my street to know that it wasn't going to be held back
2: snaves for what it's worth like i appreciate all the clarification you didn't need to let us know it was a dodge charger i feel like we all could just tell (coughs) instinctively that it was a dodge charger
4: (laughs) phil felt felt it in my soul
2: (laughs) (laughs) sorry ryan
1: continue now, now I've been the accoutrement of a sweet Dodge Charger V8 in the background is is done. I will continue with my point of uh, US TV coverage and NBC getting the deal renewed. I mean, despite what people can say about Peacock and the issues that you have, I think it's incredible the, the service that they give. I think the coverage is excellent. And then you look at CBS and Paramount doing a really good job with serial coverage in, in the US. ESPN and ESPN Plus with uh, La Liga and the Championship and so many global leagues and so many options you have every single weekend to watch on that service. Fox doing a pretty good job with MLS. Being sports, they've got some stuff going on too. But I think it's it's really, really impressive the, the amount of soccer you can see in this country and for a relatively good price. I will say I'm also thankful for my VPN provider in Italy, um, ensuring that I can continue to uh, get my U- uh, uh, my US soccer coverage and not pay for the Italian coverage. Here, for example, in, in Italy, um, if you wanted to watch a, a glimpse of what you get in the US. You'd need a subscription to DAZN, or DAZN, DAZN, don't even know how you say it yet, Sky Sports, Mediaset and Amazon Prime. So you're talking 30 euros for DAZN, 31 for Sky Sports, uh, about eight for Mediaset and then you've got Amazon Prime on top of that. So we're talking 70 something euros a month to get not nearly as many games as you get in the US and that's typical of other European countries as well, particularly the UK as well. So As I continually remind people on this on this podcast, Joseph Lowry, uh, we don't know how good we got it in the States.
3: We don't really. And I appreciate you and Graham when you guys talk about this, bringing that perspective, because it's not something that I can identify with as someone who's lived in the United States for my whole life. The soccer, the soccer scene is growing right On, on the journalistic side and on the TV side. There's more and more jobs in soccer now. There's more and more coverage available Ryan, I'm I'm right there with you. This is a great thing for us as consumers, but also a great thing for the sport in this country. I think it's it's an awesome thing to be thankful for this year.
4: I, I will say I'll interject here. Uh, and I think that Taylor can probably relate to me, uh, relate with me on this a little bit more than Joe can, as we are older than Joseph. Um I'm also very thankful to be able to have so many options to watch soccer because mostly because I distinctly remember when there were zero options to watch soccer uh, and and kind of when I first really started becoming a soccer fan in the early 2000s, more or less, um, your options oftentimes were, uh, I mean, for for people of age, I was I was still in. You know, I, I was in like maybe junior high school or something like that at this time. So people for people of age, uh, convincing some random sports bar to turn on their like little corner TV onto a <laughs> onto a soccer game that the feed was usually super grainy um, or trying your luck with some illegal streams and hoping that you didn't crash your parents computer, which I definitely did at one point in time. So I am also very thankful For the amount of soccer coverage and how much soccer that we can watch in the United States, Um, uh, I mean, and especially compared to others, but also because I remember when that was not the case whatsoever.
2: Yeah, I remember when you had to check to see if it was Satanta or Fox Soccer Channel. Sometimes it'd be on Satanta Plus, and then you couldn't get that game. You would hope it would be on ESPN. And yeah, Adam, I remember being here in Richmond at a sports bar and asking if they could turn one of the 30 televisions in the bar away from a Virginia Tech game, which they did, to their credit. But then I think a goal happened late in like a Man United-Newcastle game, and we were celebrating it. And everybody looked at us like, are you all on a different feed? Are you ahead? What's what's going on? What What are you cheering for? It was a very confusing moment because no one could quite understand why four people were wearing bright red as opposed to... Uh, burgundy or whatever it is that the Hokies wear.
4: A burgundy and orange, just a just a god-awful color combination. Can I say that on, on this podcast?
2: <laughs> I like I like that. Aren't you also a Browns fan? Like, burgundy and orange, that's ridiculous. Brown and orange, though, that's fine.
4: I'm not a Browns fan whatsoever. I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. We have normal colors, blue and red. They're primary <laughs> colors, they make sense together. Throw in white, <laughs> done deal. It makes sense. Brown and orange, burgundy and orange, Terrible color schemes. I'm sorry to all those people that are Virginia Tech and or Cleveland Browns fans. But in fairness, you have bigger problems because you're a Virginia Tech or a Cleveland Browns fan.
1: (laughs) On that note, we (laughs) shall take a very quick break when we when we come back. More stuff to be thankful for, uh, possibly including uh, colors of kids. We'll be back shortly.
0: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone?
1: Total Soccer Show, we have returned, and we are being super thankful, aren't we, Taylor Rockwell? What are you thankful for next, sir?
2: Uh, I'm thankful for, Ryan, er, for Adam's diatribe that took us into break, and I feel like if people <laughs> needed to clear the air, I would suggest they go to uh, Liberia, which has the 10th highest uh, quality of, of air in their urban areas in the world. 10th best air quality in the world, Liberia. More promotion for Liberia. Um, I will say... On a slightly more serious, but not really that serious note, I am thankful that I'm not a professional footballer and can therefore have ketchup. I was reading about ketchup today. I don't know if I was (laughs) alone in this one. I tweeted about this. Uh, I will not be having ketchup for Thanksgiving, but there have been multiple stories this week about Antonio Conte banning ketchup, about Steven Gerrard banning ketchup, articles written about why they would do it and what it means and what it says about team morale and squad morale, and really... I was curious why that seems to be the target and also why ketchup in the first place, because I do enjoy some ketchup. It's not an ever-present fixture in my meals, but it is there. And I don't think I would love to have a manager take it away from me and tell me I couldn't have it anymore. So I'm thankful I don't have that level of dietary oversight from somebody (laughs) who is, you know, a couple years my senior and is now telling me, no, you can't have that thing you like.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Jonathan Lewin, in The Guardian wrote a piece about the tomato ketchup today, which is uh, very amusing. Um, And it's also um, very confusing. If you go back to the UK, they call it tomato sauce which makes it sound like something you put in your pasta which you don't that
2: just feels like you all don't want to call it ketchup it feels
1: like you don't want to be americans so you're calling it tomato yeah. sauce tomato sauce darling do pass the tomato sauce from the decanter if that's what we say about <laughs> at, at formal dinners did ryan just um, start
3: speaking a different language
4: what is going on right the, now? <laughs> the ketchup decanter is now something i desperately need in all of my christmas list uh
1: Snaves, don't you decant your ketchup
4: no, oh, yes, 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 darling. I, I, I always make sure that the, uh, the ketchup is aerated so to bring out the flavor notes.
1: Excellent. So we, we, my family are going to have fajitas later tonight for dinner, and uh, my youngest daughter will just get the, the wrap and she'll just put ketchup in it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> does, she, does she do that because she doesn't know about hot sauce or does she not enjoy hot
1: sauce yet? She does that because she knows I don't like her doing it, and she'll just hold ah, my eye contact there the entire is. time just Which... chewing and staring at me
2: as far as I understand it, it, is something that footballers will do. I think in that same uh, uh, article you referenced, Ryan, there was a story about then-player, no longer manager, no longer active manager Ronald Koeman, being told he'd be fined 500 uh, like Dutch pranks or whatever it is and uh, proceeded to eat a, a French fry with mayonnaise on it and then said, make it 1,000. So there are uh, coaches who will defy that, or players who will defy that. And I like that this all, in my mind, seems to come from Arsene Wenger coming into uh, the Premier League and changing up the sort of dietary requirements at Arsenal. And that, like, at the time was maybe don't just drink and smoke and eat red meat, like throw a vegetable in there and have some water. And that was seen as this revolutionary thing. And now it does feel like it's extended all the way down to we have to monitor the condiments and the usage of those condiments. Uh, And it feels... Like a little bit much, but I guess that is the point of it, is that it's overall to establish control and to show that there will be kind of requirements and everybody has to be taking things very, very seriously, otherwise they won't be playing.
1: Uh, Yeah, this. There's a psychological element to it, isn't yeah. it? I think Paolo Di Canio, during his reign of terror at Sunderland, uh, had a similar rule. I think he banned most foods. I think you just have to eat, like, gruel or something up just there. Just gelatinous cubes. That's the only <laughs> thing you're allowed to eat anymore.
3: Taylor, you mentioned Antonio Conte in that ketchup discussion, which I enjoyed very much, by the way. Did you guys see the video of him having people handpick grass on the Tottenham sidelines? Do you guys see this? What? No. Yeah, so it's floating uh, around. No. If you type in Conte Grass on Twitter, you can find a few of these different videos. And he has some staffers or, or some stadium people. I don't know who's doing this. I don't think it's his assistants or I don't think it's his players either. But they're hand picking Grass on the sideline, like in his coach's box. It's It's insane. Uh, So ketchup is fine. I guess I could go without ketchup for a while. I will not be handpicking grass for anyone, I don't think. Um, So I guess this just tells everyone that I would not thrive under Antonio Conte's rule. Joe, (laughs) if you don't want to handpick grass, if
2: you feel like that's maybe too much control, if you want to just let things grow wild, might I suggest Sapo National Park, which is the largest unprotected or protected reserve In Liberia. You could go there, Joe, and you could just see some animals, not have to worry about Antonio Conte yelling at you. I'm assuming you could use ketchup there, too.
4: This episode of Total Soccer Show brought to you by (laughs) VisitLiberia.com.
2: And if you did want to visit Liberia, as I understand it, uh, three of the world's largest cruise ships are registered there, probably due to their lax employment laws, but you could take a cruise ship there. So I feel like we're really selling this now. Yes, we are. Win, 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 baby. I'll stop mentioning Liberia now. We'll see if everybody else does as well. Uh, but yes, I'm happy that I can eat ketchup. I'm happy that Antonio Conte is not screaming at me to not eat ketchup. And effectively mow the lawn. Is, is Antonio Conte just a dad? Is that what this is? Is he just a dad who wakes up at 6 a.m. and wants everybody out there mowing the lawn and doing yard work and not <laughs> eating ketchup? Ketchup costs money. It doesn't grow on trees, even though it kind of does.
1: <laughs> hmm. Okay,
4: Snaves, <laughs> over to you, sir. Nothing you know, tomato about tomato trees. We all know about tomato trees. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh um <clears throat> to uh not to not to get i mean i it's serious but I, I i think that it should be it should be talked about um i am thankful for uh players like kaya mccullough and Kristen press and mana shim and Sinead Fairley and a lot of other players uh women's players who have stepped forward this year um, to talk about abuse and mistreatment and how poorly so many of these things have been handled in the women 's game uh, not not even just in the United States and in, in several women 's leagues around the world um, and that has uh, really extended uh, to incorporate not just leagues but entire federations and how some of these cases have been so grossly mishandled how players have not been protected. Um, And I am thankful for those players uh, and their courage, their bravery to stand up and speak out. Uh, I'm thankful for journalists like, uh, like Meg Linehan, like uh, uh, Molly uh, uh, Hensley Clancy um, for the Washington post uh, that are telling those stories uh, because that is something that, Needs to be told to the world, obviously, because the the routes that the players were going, uh, nothing was gonna, nothing was getting fixed. Um, people that were clearly abusing their power and abusing people were allowed to stay in power and or were given seemingly passes in, in favor of the victims of those people. Um, and there shouldn't be any tolerance or place for it. And it it has taken. This and it has taken up till now to to hear so many of those stories. Um, but I am thankful that we are hearing them because without those players speaking and without those journalists writing and and helping to tell those stories. I don't know. I I mean, those 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 people would still those people would still have jobs. Those people would still be doing the same exact things that they that they have been doing for what it appears to be a long time now. So I am thankful for those players and those journalists.
2: Adam, I'm really glad you, you brought this up because I was trying to figure out a way to do this and to to talk about this, and and so I appreciate that you did. What I kind of keep getting caught on is the idea you said there shouldn't be any place for it, and I don't mean this as hyperbolically as it's going to sound, but it starts to feel like NWSL is the place for it. Like like this season, there have been so many of these stories. It feels like institutional in certain ways and, and decision makers have come and gone and there are review panels in place now. And, but it, uh, it just, it still feels like it's kind of inherent at the moment. And I don't, I'm not really saying that to then say, but here's a solution or to ask you for a solution. I just find myself sort of at a loss for how to talk about a league and the teams in that league. When it seems like routinely there are new scandals and new stories of abuse or abuses of power Um, and I think the Paul Riley story is still the most insidious and nefarious and kind of downright evil. Rory Dames, I, I think there, there are, there are abuses there and there is a lot of verbal abuse on top of that, but it's still just abuse and it's still abuse that gets reported and talked about and then not talked about and sort of covered up or overlooked. And that was the thing that rang so loudly to me is how many people in positions of authority were alerted to what was happening, and it seemed to be treated with like, ah, you guys are just whining. Like, ah, that's just part of it. You're just athletes. You don't like the coach telling you what to do. And it, and it, I just, I think I think of it from the men's side, and I, and I feel like that probably would be the response, but it seems like maybe there would be more ink spilt about players are upset, players are dissatisfied with the way they're being treated in training, and it just doesn't seem like we get any level of that openness or attention until some of the writers you mentioned bring it to the forefront and those players bring it to the forefront. And I just, I think I go, I go back to, we talked about the NWSL championship on the Monday show and it felt weird to celebrate the Washington spirit team. And it it ended up being, I think that we didn't, we celebrated the players who got that result, not the institution. And I guess that's what we have to do, but that feels weird. Having previously just had the conversation about, are you a bills fan or a Browns fan? It feels like when it comes to the NWSL, it's a lot harder to say I'm a fan of this team versus this group of players.
4: And and still, I mean <clears throat> I mean you 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 talked about about the the um the Paul Riley thing and um still how that has been handled when you have the former Portland Thorns general manager Gavin Wilkinson who was removed from his job as a general manager of the Portland Thorns. And yet he is still the general manager of the Portland Timbers. And he is still coming into the same office every day. And that person that kind of, I mean, just, I, I don't know exactly how to formulate all of my thoughts in ways that will be useful and productive and also will not get me in trouble and the podcast in trouble. So Um, suffice it to say, there is still much more work to be done. Um, and this is not, these are not problems that are just going away or that are going to go quietly and they shouldn't, they shouldn't go quietly. We should, I mean, at this point, because we know that the systems in place have not functioned in the way that they are supposed to, that the players have not been protected. They shouldn't go quietly because apparently yelling them out is the only way that anything will ever happen. Um, and I hope that things are happening. I, I don't know how much is happening on those fronts, but I hope that we can get to a place where a woman can feel like they can be a professional soccer player and not have to worry about their own personal safety.
1: Definitely. Very well said, And It does feel like perhaps we're on the cusp of a sea change for the uh, systematic and cultural issues within the women's game there. Thank you very much for that one. Joe, what is your next pick? for? What are you thankful for, sir?
3: This is kind of fitting because I, I think it hits at the other side of what Snaves and Taylor were just getting at, which is an extremely important side of things. And you guys are talking about, well, how do we still attribute success? And, and who do we praise? Well, you guys got there, right? I mean, we're all on that same page. You praise the players for the work that they've done and for the courage they've showed and for the excellent displays that they've been on the field, right? And, and one big mm-hmm. name there for me is is Trinity Rodman, who has been phenomenal this season for the Washington Spirit, who have gone through a ton as a team, just like every... i mean, Well, it's not just like every other team has in, in the NWSL this year. They've gone through their own unique, very real challenges. And Trinity Rodman, as a 19-year-old, the youngest player ever to be drafted into the league, the youngest American to score in their NWSL debut... She won Rookie of the Year and and put in a shift in the final, by the way, guys. I mean, she is a dangerous scorer and creator, seven goals, seven assists on the year, most goals added in the NWSL according to American Soccer Analysis. She is the future, at least part of the future for the the women's game in the United States, and I I don't know how long she'll be in the NWSL before going and and getting some new experiences, but I'm confident that she'll be involved in the U.S. Women's National Team picture Sooner rather than later, she was called up for the the US's uh, the, the the games against Australia that are coming up very very soon, but opted out of those games. Vlaka will have her in sooner rather than later, I would imagine. She's unreal. She is a phenomenal talent. Snaes, when you and I did the show last year, you brought up Katarina Macario as uh, something you were thankful for, if, if if I remember correctly. Rodman is in that next group along with Macario, along with. I don't know Ashley Sanchez and Mallory Pugh and a lot of this other talent that we're seeing. Mallory Pugh has a, has a bit longer of a history with the women's program with the with the national team than anyone else I just mentioned. But these players are coming up and they are phenomenal. And Rodman just might be the best among them.
2: Joe, do you have any idea why she declined that call up? Not to put you on the spot, but I heard that in the broadcast, and I and I looked up. I just did like a quick search because the way maybe this is just the way I heard it, but it seemed that the commentators were implying that like she rejected the United States. But I'm assuming it was more of a like ah, it's been a long season. I need to recover maybe next time sort of response, but I'm I'm not sure on that one. So I wanted to see if you had any insight there.
3: No, I'm not sure either. And I, I talked a little bit with Jason Anderson about this in the NWSL preview show about just asking when are we going to see her? And he's very confident that we're going to see her in red, white, and blue. Well, I guess different red, white, and blue. Very soon, the spirit of more red and white. We, we've talked too much about colors on this show. Good gracious. Um, So we're going to see her soon. My guess, Taylor, and I haven't really read anything concrete about this, is – Long season, playoffs are just coming to a close. The games are in Australia. That's not an easy flight to make from the U.S., especially after your team's playing in the final in the championship game. So I would guess it's a mix of those factors, travel, tiredness, season length, all of that good stuff.
1: I think um, Trinity Rodman deserves credit for having the coolest name in soccer as well. Is there a cooler name than Trinity Rodman? I'm trying to think of one. It sounds like she'd be in a Matrix or something. I
4: think I think that um I think in terms of American soccer names, currently Trinity Rodman and Conrad De La Fuente are the two oh. the two at the top.
2: Of the fire, yeah, that's pretty good. Is that yep. what Fuente is?
4: Uh, no, 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 it's f- not. no, 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 that's no it's Fuego is is fire. There it is. Yeah.
2: All right. Well, never mind then. I still go with Jan Vanagor of Hesselink as the greatest of all soccer <laughs> names, but that's Trinity true. Rodman is in that conversation for sure.
1: And lest we forget our friend in uh, Holland, on uh, My next pick, uh, my, for, for what I'm thankful for, gentlemen, is that I am thankful the European Super League did not become a thing, as it very, very yeah. nearly did in April 2021. Not that long ago. It feels like much longer ago that this happened. Uh, there were 12 founding teams. I should remind you there was planning to be 20 teams in total. Those 12 heritage teams would have been uh, in that thing for the long run. The whole project fell apart, as you remember, in less than 48 hours. It was truly incredible, the incompetent manner in which it was rolled out. If you remember, it was every club putting like a press release on their Twitter and on their website and no more information as if they were sort of shamefully trying to put out the door like a a news dump style, this game-changing proposition that they had. Um, What I'm most thankful for, though, Taylor, is that it really showed that fans matter. It showed... The world, it showed everybody that this is our game. It's not the people who run it. It's not the suits. It's not the board members. It's our game because it was people power who stopped that from happening and um, Florentino Perez he's still on this thing he's still the chairman of the ESL I I looked up um, he was even speaking about it earlier this week Uh, he was insisting that the Super League would bring financial fair play to European football because UEFA is a monopoly so Taylor maybe um, that was the correct path the ESL no 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 it wasn't No, (laughs) it was not. It was not. I I am
2: thankful for that. I appreciate that you made it the more optimistic way of seeing it, because mine, it's not even cynical. It's just really how I feel. I'm thankful that it showed us that millionaires aren't necessarily that smart, or at least when it comes to common sense, they don't have a ton of it. Not since Michael Bloomberg clearly had 20 yes people say, you should definitely run for president. What could go wrong? Have I seen a a more poorly thought out plan? And to your point, Ryan, yeah, it was a bunch of tweets, and it felt very felt like a lot with a lot of the Premier League clubs. Like one or two seemed to be the ones who led the way, and everybody else was so afraid of, like, basically had FOMO and decided they were going to jump on two and then realized, oh, this is a terrible idea, never mind, and jumped out really fast. And just the level of we're going to do it, and we're going to do it because we want to, and nobody can stop us. We're rich millionaires, and then or billionaires, and then it kind of falling apart and exposing just how poorly planned it was, like, I think I had this expectation that it would be all the branding would be figured out, all the planning would be sorted, they would have all the answers to everything, a team of lawyers would be ready to combat every single issue. And instead, it was just the most thrown together assemblage of ideas and branding statements that didn't quite mean anything. And here we are now with it failing. But to your more positive point, Ryan, it does fail because there is such a strong reaction from journalists covering it to fans protesting to People just reading about it and voicing their opinion online and getting frustrated with it. Very few times has Twitter been a good outlet for frustration. This was one of them. And and I think because we know so many clubs nowadays track social media and engagement and what's trending and how it's trending. And I think there probably was some of that in the calculations for why teams suddenly pulled out so quickly. Other teams have still not at time of recording as far as I understand. But I think overall I'm pretty happy that it went down and pretty happy that it
1: collapsed the way it did quite publicly and via a lot of external pressure yeah i'm not even sure if barcelona and real madrid uh have actually pulled out at this point i we'll have to look into that but yes yeah, that's, yeah um, that's where i am yeah it's uh it is it is this insidious thing in the background that might sneak back in some form or another but certainly in the form that it was presented to us uh very glad it's failed i mean it would have changed the very fabric of the game like there, there are champions league games this week as we record we probably wouldn't, they wouldn't have mattered so much at this point. So, no. or if, if they were even taking place at all. So, yeah, I, I'm glad that didn't happen. I'm glad the status quo has been maintained because, as we know, soccer is completely pure and innocent and uh, virtuous in its current guise. So we can carry on uh, with our consciences clean, right? Yeah, cool. Okay. Quick break uh, sponsored by VisitLiberia.com. <laughs> and when we're back, part three with more.
2: So get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code TSS. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com, promo code TSS, to get 20% off your first order. Thank you to Mac Weldon for sponsoring
0: today's episode. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more.
1: Total Soccer Show, we are back with our Thanksgiving special. Who wants to go next? Snaves, what do you got for us?
0: Ooh,
4: I had something that I think the players are going to be thankful for, um... And I think that a lot of players that are participating in CONCACAF World Cup qualifying are probably thankful that VAR is soon going yep. to be coming to the World Cup qualifiers because the refereeing has been questionable, shall we say? <laughs> Go on.
2: <laughs> I like I like your very dramatic lead in.
4: <laughs> the floor is open. I just think that the refereeing has been bad. There's clearly been a lot of questions and and things that have occurred i mean even in just a lot of u.s games uh and and looking at some calls some non-calls specifically um actually a lot of calls both ways uh in both games between the u.s and jamaica i think specifically uh could have used probably another look it is interesting though to me that after all of the the moaning about VAR and what it does to the game, which has been near constant for the last, at this point, almost four years, uh, ever since we people have started implementing VAR in the World Cup and different leagues and all that stuff, now that it's gone, it seems that the prevailing opinion is that it should be back for these Concacaf World Cup qualifiers. Has anyone else noticed that? Is that the yep. is that the general feeling? <laughs> oh yeah.
2: Yeah, sometimes more loudly than others. Very loud when, say, a US player is having their uh face attempt to be ripped off. Less sure. so when it's maybe the US uh having a or Jamaica having a goal chalked off that probably should have stood. Then it seems to be a little bit quieter. Uh but I do I do find myself I haven't read a ton about this. I don't know if any of you all have. I'm confused because the rationale at the beginning seemed to be that like they couldn't Guarantee the infrastructure necessary for VAR and some of the federations couldn't afford it. My assumption is that CONCACAF is footing at least some of the bill for this to happen, which then makes me wonder, could they have done this the whole time? Like, were they just not ready for it? Or was it truly a, never mind, we've learned from our mistake and now we're going to implement it? I don't know if we'll ever get that answer, but... I find myself confused by how you kind of change things midway through the process.
3: Well, and I I haven't even read anything about this. Is it so, say, Snaves? This is happening. Like, there's going to be VAR in in Concacaf for the rest it, of the cycle.
4: It was announced mm-hmm. and then confirmed. It was it was originally oh. announced during the Mexico yep. uh, Canada I game. I miss this. Um, it was announced and,
2: in the broadcast, but like, yes, like not even yes. announced. Right? They just said it kind of like. Offhand is like, yeah, and when VAR is implemented after this round of games, and it was like, wait, what now? What's happening?
4: Yeah, and then and then there and the last I saw, there was some confirmation that that was going to be the case. So that was, I mean, that is that is still the information that I am operating under. I don't know if that has changed since then, but that was the last bit of news that I received.
1: Is there not some integrity issues if a lot of the Ocho games didn't have VAR and then suddenly Uh, they do? Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not great optics because either it implies
2: we made so many mistakes that we've got to get this VAR in place. Or it implies that it should have been there from the very beginning and they just didn't sort of have the scheduling down. Again, a charitable read would be they recognized, yeah, we do have the capability to do this. And there are some things that we would like to make sure we don't miss or we would like to be able to get a second look at. We want to protect player safety, whatever it might be. But it's still it's an odd thing. And again, to the Super League point, not a thing that feels like it's been a we've heard you. We've decided to make this change. Here's the official statement. Here's how we're going to do it. Here's how it might impact previous results. If at all, here's what we anticipate being the role going forward. But there hasn't really been much of that. There hasn't been a ton of communication.
1: Well, I'm sure households across the US, St. Lucia and Liberia and, uh, and every other nation that celebrates Thanksgiving will be uh, rapidly discussing VAR over their turkey uh, this Thanksgiving. Joseph, what's your next pick?
3: Okay, my next pick, and really this is my final one because of the USMNT overlap earlier, the scandal. Uh, my, my, my next and final one is that Ronald Koeman and, and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer are no longer coaching Barcelona and Manchester United, respectively. Selfishly, guys. This is, this is a win because it means we don't have to talk about it anymore, right? And Manchester United, darn it, are doing everything they can everything they can uh, to force us to continue to talk about them and i i personally am of the view that we just say no we just take a stand we pretend they don't exist taylor i think your life would improve for the better really i believe that um but even setting but that Joe, aside we
2: tried to do that we tried to do it we tried to have the pact that we would not talk about things uh, them again until things demonst- demonstrably changed and then they sacked Ole. It was like they heard it and that was when they decided to pull the trigger. So here we are <laughs> having to talk about them again. Trust me, I am with you. I would enjoy not having to talk about them or Barcelona uh, very much for the next couple of weeks,
3: all I know is that I should get some credit for scheduling my <laughs> vacation around the the sacking of Ole. That is some incredible forethought that I just I really think I deserve some some amount of praise for, but still yeah, work by you I, I, thank you taylor i 'm interested to see what happens now right i'm thankful for the change in narrative and, and not just so we don 't have to talk about that anymore because we will right These are big clubs, and we're going to continue to discuss them in one way or another maybe we 'll just do it a little bit less but i'm particularly interested to see where these teams go from here because I do think it's overstated by me maybe more than anyone on on this show regularly how important managers are or I don't think they're as important as I often think they are or or give them credit for being uh, and so I'm curious to see what happens with these teams do they restructure a bit? Both teams are still good, right, in the grand scheme of of their (laughs) leagues, but there's a question about them not actually fulfilling their potential, both with some really talented squads. Manchester United probably with a bit more talent than Barcelona right now, but there's youth coming up in in Barca, and I'm just interested to see what direction these teams take. There will still be plenty of chaos happening because of the the backroom structure or lack of structure and inefficiencies there, but I'm curious to see what Xavi does and, and what whoever replaces or they on a permanent basis does, how the players respond and if we see some different looks from these teams going forward.
1: Joe, I love uh, your journalistic integrity approach there. If if we don't like a team or their manager, let's just not cover them at all. Thank you. I think that's wonderful. Um, This actually kind of links to what I'm thankful for next. Um, I'm specifically thankful, gents, for incompetence at big clubs. (laughs) (laughs) You Um, would be. (laughs) I'm very thankful for it because after all, why are we here? Why do we do this? entertainment That's what we do. We love soccer because it entertains us. And Man United, uh, um, this is... My, my picks so far have been very positive and joyous. This is my Schadenfreude pick because Man United, with no plan, no strategy, only looking backwards and not forwards and everything they've done, all their reboots, their Fast and Furious reboots they've done since Sir Alex Ferguson, you know, it, it's, it, it's, it's very entertaining and very silly. Barcelona, loads of debt, a team that's a shadow of its former self at the moment, not got a superstar in every position anymore even though they should be at the very top. And you can even look at... Seems like in MLS, seems like into Miami with the you know the heavyweight credentials with which they came into the league and um, arguably fumbled with those credentials. It's it's a incompetence that allows the hegemony in the game to be disrupted. It's what allows other teams to step in when when a team's been dominating for far too long. Um, What what I really think, um, Taylor, is when when you think of like a new mls franchise coming in like um you know austin coming on or charlotte coming in next year it makes you appreciate how hard it must be to start a club from scratch when man united and barcelona have been doing this for like over a century and they are still messing it up in the most explicit way how hard must it be to start from scratch if the pros who've been there for over a century are doing that so credit to nashville for not messing up in this season maybe I
2: felt I feel like this was a way to reverse engineer getting to talk about Wimbledon. I'll get there in a minute. Don't worry. I had a feeling you would. <laughs> Ryan, I do think this is a great one. I, I I do appreciate it. And I appreciate that incompetence as well. It gives us lots to talk about and also gives me a. Uh, source of stress and a pain in my stomach sometimes. But I think you have hit on a a, on a larger idea that I have not seen rumored when it comes to potential managerial appointments at Manchester United. But when I think about an individual, a leader who brings together big personalities from around the world to pull off seemingly impossible feats, and then somehow he manages to bring in the villains from prior installments, people who did not like his team, he gets them to buy into that team and participate in it, And makes them a family. Should Dom Toretto, Vin Diesel's character from Fast and Furious, should he manage Manchester United, would that solve everything? We know Corona would be a sponsor. They'd come on board. You could probably get some racing companies involved. I feel like we've solved this, Ryan. Could Ludacris be his assistant coach? Uh, I mean, obviously. Absolutely. He's the the tactics (laughs) one, right? He's the technical (laughs) one. He's the one who's... I don't know, hacking into cameras and it, like Bielsa-esque spying on teams. I'm sure Ludacris could figure that out. He's got the charm to do it as well. Yeah, I think, I think we're going to make this happen. This is, feels frighteningly like a thing that could happen. We go from movies as sponsors of shirts at one point to the cast of movies just coaching teams for brand integration.
1: Man United admin are listening to this podcast and thinking, my gosh, the engagement we'd get from that. Too fast, too fabulous, more like. Let's do it. All right.
4: Sponsored by visitliberia.com.
1: There we Thank go. you very much. Thank <laughs> Always. you very much. Uh, Taylor, your next pick for what you're thankful for. Uh, I am thankful for our Lister Questions
2: episodes uh, because we tend to try to shy away from hot takes shows and from debate format because I think so often, even if it's good-natured, even if it's well-intentioned, it quickly evolves or devolves into defensiveness or entrenched beliefs or sort of just going back to, no, I'm right and here's why, or sort of arbitrary points to then use as your argument. And I think a lot of times it does a disservice to having a discussion about why this happened because oftentimes I think things can be good and bad at the same time or varying degrees of good and bad. But when you have that mentality, it can then be hard to think about things critically if you don't have the sort of opposition to what you're saying or you're not having that back and forth sometimes. And I think Listener Questions episodes genuinely do a really good job of making me slow down and think about stuff that I, I think I already know or already have kind of hard and firm opinions on. But then I pause for a moment and think like, well, why is the World Cup every two or four years? Why couldn't it be three years? Because we talked about this in that show that I think a couple of us, Ryan, I think you were on the same boat. We're just like, well, no, it can't. It's got to be two or four. That's how it works. And maybe, Joe, that was you. But it's just like... We have these sort of ideas that become how things are and how we see things. And when you get questions from people who think a little bit differently or require you to think differently, I think they keep you thinking, they keep things fresh, and they just make it sort of fun to have that back and forth, whereas I think that could easily be that, no, you're wrong. Here's why. And and I, I like that we avoid that, but I really enjoy the listener questions for giving us a forum to talk about different stuff in different ways. And that's also a larger way of saying I'm just really thankful to all the listeners who listen yeah. to this because – We do get those questions from from people who listen and take the time to write. But I'm sure there are other many other people like myself who listen to a podcast and never write in and maybe don't leave a review, (laughs) but (laughs) but still enjoy it and still let us know from time to time or invite us out for a beer if we happen to be in their city. And I I just am very grateful for the community we have and for the support that that community has shown, certainly over this last year, especially Um, it means a lot. And the listener questions episodes are always some of my favorites.
1: Definitely. I'll echo that, Taylor. I'm thankful for our listeners, uh, for all our supporters out there. Thankful to you guys as well. This is the best job I've ever had. I'll I'll, I'll put that on the table. And I'm thankful for you, you, Taylor, for, for, for captaining this ship in what has been, as you mentioned, a difficult year um i'm thankful for podcasting that it's a thing and yeah. we can still continue to do this and have have a talk with my friends here and um and it's, it's a viable way of, uh, of having a living so i, yeah, I love that man. thank you very
2: it's, much it's all of those things you're not wrong uh, there's no butt coming like a, a heart a hard and firm but I agree. you guys kind of suck so <laughs> <laughs> just, just more so that during the pandemic i'm actively trying not to say but <laughs> um but during the pandemic right. it has been yeah i still got it in uh I haven't been as great about seeing people and doing those Zoom calls and, and keeping up with people. I'm never that great at it, but especially in a pandemic kind of closed off and with a new baby or slash, I guess, relatively new baby at this point, it can be difficult. But when you are talking to people, albeit via Zencaster or over Skype or whatever it might be, but you spend at least four days a week talking to people for an hour to two hours, it does kind of keep that connection. It does make you feel more plugged in. And I'm really grateful for that, too. I'm really grateful that my job sort of requires me and allows me to talk to people that I would like to be talking to anyway. It's just this time it's recorded and it's about topics that are usually pretty fun and pretty interesting. And then sometimes not in the case of Manchester United.
4: I think, (laughs) I think also to piggyback off of that. I mean, one of the things that I wrote down was that I, in the last six months or so, I'm just super thankful that I have actually been able to go to some games and some events and see some people that I haven't seen. And, a year or two. I, I I, mean, I just got to go to a kickers game uh, a few weeks ago now and, and hang out with, with you Taylor and and Margaret. Um, and uh, I had the super cool opportunity to go to MLS all-star this summer uh, in Los Angeles. And that was awesome. Just seeing all those, seeing the MLS all-star game, all the events, being able to see a lot of people that I haven't seen since 2018 probably um meeting new people uh people that i've only known online and actually being able to see and hang out with them in person um it's been really really great uh over the last several months just being able to do something like that and i'm super thankful for all of my friends in the soccer world and and like ryan said i'm, I'm really thankful for for you taylor uh and how you have uh, been a friend to me uh, and my wife and how you have... I'm just really, really impressed with how you have continued to grow Total Soccer Show and make it a place where it just feels so welcoming. Listening to it, being in conversations with people that listen to it, uh, just it truly is... You know, it it sounds hokey when you're talking about people that are, you know, sometimes a fan of something or or something like that. But but it is a community and it it does feel like that in a very sincere and not corny sense.
1: This section of the pod is why Graham's not here, by the way. (laughs) It's too much like hugging on air. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Whew. Thank you for saying that, Adam. That's that's very nice of you to say. Yeah. I'm working on not being immediately self-deprecating or deflecting, so I will just say thank you very much, and I uh, really enjoy the time I get to spend with you and your wife. Mostly Mackenzie. You're fine, too. but That's uh, fair. Yeah. No, Mackenzie's <laughs> way better than me. <laughs> no, man. Uh, I really appreciate you saying that. Thank you. Thank you for that.
1: All right, that seems like a lovely place to end this Thanksgiving episode, gents. A good time has been had by all. Certain nations have been promoted more than others. Um, (laughs) Joe Lowry, thank you so much for your attendance here and for you just being you.
3: Oh, thank you, Ryan, and happy Thanksgiving. Uh, Let us know how the the meal prep comes along on Thursday, all right?
1: Thank you. I'll uh, give you a full review of my tiny chicken. Uh, Snaves, (laughs) a pleasure chatting with you today, sir. Happy Thanksgiving to you.
4: Thank you to all of you three uh, for the lovely chat. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Indigenous Peoples Day to everyone out there listening.
1: Uh, Taylor Rockwell, thank you very much to you. And thank you for uh, the fact that we ran out of time for me to get in my one where I said that I'm grateful that international breaks are over until March because I'm, uh, uh, yeah. You still one. got it in, though. <laughs> thanks <laughs> thanks
2: to you, Ryan. Thanks to you,
1: buddy. Thanks, listener. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll be back soon. Bye. <laughs>